if we're the local church and we go launch a campus and these grand experiences in the community, then we should do the same inside of prisons. And it's because those guys are worth just as much to us as the, anybody else. And so uh, that's our goal at the end mm-hmm. of the day is to create this experience, uh, not because it's something that's just enticing and cool, but it's because we believe in you this much. You mean this much to us is that we're going to come and we're going to give you our best every single week. And we're going to show you uh, the Jesus and in, in which and who we're giving our best for. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives and how, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Here's today's episode. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast today. I'm sitting with Jake Bodine, and I'm super excited for this conversation that, that we're having today. Jake is the, the founder of God Behind Bars. If you're new to Sun Valley or you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this ministry. And so, Jake, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'm excited for people to get to know you and to get to know the story kind of behind this ministry. So, yeah, thank you for, for joining us, flying down and being a part of our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about you. I'm just going to dive right in. So so who are you? Kind of what's your backstory that led you? And, and if you're listening, God Behind Bars is a ministry we're partnering with to to launch a campus, so to speak, in a, in a prison. And so, Jake, how did we get to this relationship with you? And kind of what's your story of, of launching this ministry? Give us kind of the, the backstory. Yeah, well, we've been doing this for a little over a decade now, but uh, I come out of a ministry family. Uh, my father is part of the local church ministry. Uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. I grew up in the local church my entire life. Uh, I was actually uh, focused on other things uh, growing up, but uh, specifically football. And football took me down to Southern California, where uh, I began attending a church out there. Uh, and during that time, God kind of really worked through that church to build a burning passion in my heart uh, to go into ministry. But specifically, real, real quick, because some yeah. people are going to want to know this. What position did you play? In oh, football? man, I played uh, running back and strong safety. Uh, but about six months into my college football career, I realized real quickly that uh, I was going to go nowhere. So uh, I decided to <laughs> go into, uh, uh, figure out what I was going to go into next. And then uh, that's kind of where God called me into the ministry aspect of it. So actually, uh, within the first year and a half of uh, me playing football, I hung up my helmet, uh, moved back to Las Vegas, and uh, I, I started pursuing um, other things. I was actually uh, more into business and entrepreneurism at the time and uh, started doing some things with some buddies uh, in Vegas. And I was volunteering at uh, the the local church that uh, we went to and supported. And uh, during that time, I was setting up and tearing down campuses inside of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was one of the multi-site campuses of our, our local church there. And uh, I was setting up and tearing in or turning a high school into a li- living, breathing church every single week. And honestly, uh, I hated every aspect of it. <laughs> Any, uh, anybody who's listening that's ever been a part of a church plant where you set up tear down, it is not glamorous. It is hard work. It's early in the morning. It's exhausting ministry. And then you set up, you have an hour service or maybe you do two services. Yep. And then you spend the afternoon tearing it all down, putting it back. Exactly. Yeah, so that it is exhausting work. Well, and when you ask God, you're like, hey, use me. I, I feel this call in the ministry. Yeah. And that's the the responsibility he gives you. You start scratching your head. But uh, <laughs> no, I, that honestly, that was probably the greatest 
responsibility that he ever gave me because during that time, even though it wasn't exactly what uh, I had envisioned or imagined uh, and how he was going to use me in ministry, that's where he birthed the vision in me Mm -hmm. uh, to take that same concept and do it inside of prisons all across the country. And so uh, it was that time that literally was preparing me for what he had in store next. Yeah. So if you could do set up, tear down in a school, why not do set up, tear down in other locations and maybe in locations that, that people don't have the opportunity to experience church. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, sorry, don't mean to interrupt you, but let's, I, I want to back up just a little bit on kind of your story timeline, because we were talking earlier, and you, you had mentioned while you were at this church in Southern California, you kind of had this eye-opening moment, and, and kind of talk us through that when, when there was this moment within the church, there was an interview happening with presidential candidates, and you kind of had this aha. Uh, walk, walk us through your journey there. Yeah, for a long time, I think growing up in the church, uh, there was an expectation uh, set on me as a pastor's kid. Uh, and I think for a lot of pastors, kids across the country that, uh, we were supposed to automatically be something, um, when, uh, our father was a, a leader in the church. And so I kind of have always had that rebel spirit or rebel heart and, mm-hmm. uh, decided that I was going to go a different direction, but, uh, God ultimately, uh, pulled me back in. But yeah, I was, um, for me, I, for a long time thought that the capital C church was irrelevant to the world. Mm. And, uh, that if you were a part of the church that, uh, it, you wouldn't really fit in the, in the world. It was like, uh, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Uh, but then when I attended this church in Southern California, yeah, the pastor of that church, uh, was actually interviewing Senator McCain and president Obama on their faith during their presidential election, uh, period in 2008. And it was the first time in history that this was taking place. And, uh, for me, it was that aha moment. And I think God really used it to open my eyes. Like, Hey, you can be very relevant to the world uh-huh. and, uh, you just have to be intentional in how you do it. And so, so, so it broke the mold in your mind of what, what the church is. Cause I think in, in a lot of people's minds, if, if you say the word church, they automatically have this image of what church is and how yeah. it should operate and who it's for and, and all of that. Uh, but, but church is much broader than that, biblically speaking. Yep. And, and it is meant to not be for church people. The church exists for people who aren't in the church and it exists to, to reach people in our community and to transform the world. That's why Jesus said, Hey, this is my, this is my gift to the world. I'm sending you out now to represent me. And so you kind of had that, that aha moment there. Yeah, exactly. In fact, in later into, into when we get into how and what we do as an organization, I'll share how that even has come full circle even more. But yeah, that was the aha moment. In fact, I was leaving there and this guy grabbed me. He was this older gentleman and uh, he just grabbed me and he put his hand on my shoulder. And I've grown up in the church my my whole life. So not always does everyone have a word that it's really for you. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, this guy grabbed me and he said, hey, man, I just feel called uh, to tell you that uh, I think God's going to do something really special in and through you. And I just at the time was kind of like, Thank you. I uh, didn't think much of it, but when I went home, that that thought kept playing over and over in my mind. And it was really, what are you going to do and how are you going to be used? And what's the legacy that you're going to live or leave? And so I began praying and I just asked God, I said, look, show me, please, uh, what you want me to do in my life. I felt this overwhelming passion and burden uh, to, to stop what I was doing. And at that time, playing college football and to go home and really explore that. And it was a burning passion to really go into ministry. I didn't know what that was going to look like. Uh, in fact, I didn't even tell my father that uh, I was going to come home. I, pack, I had my roommates help me pack up and I just kind of showed up on his driveway because I knew what he would say uh, when I called and told him I wanted to go into ministry. I don't think that he would have believed me at the time. But uh, yeah, I, I got back and I just asked him, I said, hey, can I, can I please uh, 
figure out a way to serve somehow. And then that's the responsibility that he gave me was to, to go to that multi-site campus that they had just launched. It was in a high school. Uh, we had to be completely portable uh, and we had to turn uh, what wasn't meant uh, to be a church into a church every mm-hmm. single weekend. And that's what we really get to do every single uh, weekend in our ministry now is turn these prisons that quote, aren't meant to be in a a church into a living, breathing church every single weekend. And that's exactly what they are. And that's by partnering with the local church all over the country. In fact, uh, 2009, we launched, we are now at uh, 50 different prison campuses across the country, uh, reaching close to about 50,000 people a year through uh, what we do in our physical locations. We're expected to probably launch uh, about 15 more this year, which Mm -hmm. is really exciting because 2020 kind of put a stop to all that. Uh, But uh, we didn't stop during that time. But yeah, we're we're really excited. And and that's kind of how I got into this entire uh, ministry as a whole was um, really, uh, I guess, just running away from God and him constantly uh, pulling me back into the direction that ultimately he wanted me to head. And uh, it's been the greatest decision of my life. So, so was there, was there a moment maybe while you're, you know, unloading crates and yeah. setting up trusses or whatever, what was there a moment where you went, I think God's calling me to prisons specifically. What was that? Cause you could do that lots of places. You go, I could go do this in another community. I could do this at a different school. I could do that, you know, where I could, we could move into a facility. At what point did you go? I think God's calling me into the prisons, not, not to those who are coming out, but like actually get behind the bars of the prisons and go do this. What, what was that moment for you? Yeah. For me, uh um, one of my childhood best friends, his name was Ryan Vichiano. Uh, we pretty much did everything together growing up mm-hmm. all the way through high school. Uh, about my junior year, him and I um, started to walk down two different paths. He got caught up in a drug addiction uh, all about the same time that I had moved back to Vegas and started serving at that at that location. I'd probably been back eight weeks and uh, and been doing that for eight weeks. And I got a call from Ryan's mom that uh, he was looking at prison time. He had got caught up in some... Um, robbery that uh, ultimately had to deal with drugs. And uh, he was going to go away for two to three years right in Nevada prison systems. And uh, I just began kind of pondering, like, who's going to reach him? Like, mm-hmm. who's going to reach those people that are, are in there? Like, what's his life going to be like now and forever? Is it the Hollywood view of prison? Is he going to make it out alive? Uh, all those uh, things that um, really kind of start to go through your mind, especially that uh, we get to our only view of prison is is what we see on TV. So if you haven't been there yourself, but yeah, it's uh, I begin to really think like who's going to bring the word of God and his life-changing principles to guys like Ryan mm-hmm. uh, and uh, those that are incarcerated with him. And uh, I started to do a bunch of research. I went online. I saw probably 12 different ministries at that time that were doing amazing things, but everybody was kind of in their own silo and there was really no holistic life transformation strategy. And so uh, I just began praying to God, like, how, how can I have an impact in this? Uh, I believed I began to have a vision of what that strategy would look like. And it started as a 10 phase approach uh, over 10 years ago. And now we have uh, three phases that we really focus on when it comes to an inmate and their family's uh, needs, but that's their, their spiritual health, uh, their emotional health, and then their physical health and uh, things that uh, land in that physical health. Most people would think fitness, but we're thinking more like transportation or mm-hmm. transitional living, mm-hmm. uh, the, the tangible physical needs that these guys face every single day as they uh, reenter society. But uh, what a lot of people don't know is that 
over 95% of America's prison population will exit prison one day mm-hmm. uh, and be a part of our communities again. And yeah. so uh, 75% of those or more right now uh, are expected to go back to prison within the first three years wow. uh, of their release. And so the statistics are staggering. In fact, we're the most incarcerated state in the entire uh, world. Um, we literally have probably 10.8 million people a year uh, that go through our justice system. Uh, about 25% of Americans, one in four Americans, uh, have now been impacted by uh, the correction system, whether they've been there physically themselves or have family an immediate member. family mm-hmm. member. Uh, and I'm not talking like an uncle or a cousin. I'm talking about a, a brother or yep. a parent uh, that have been uh, incarcerated. And so uh, it's it's very much a real thing for a lot of us uh, inside of uh, our communities. And uh, for us to, one, be able to introduce these guys to Jesus, uh, but to, uh, to the local church and create a relationship with the local church, a place that they can call home, a family that they can be a part of, uh, and them to begin to have self-worth and believe in themselves uh, is really what our mission is at the end of the day, is it's to connect them to Jesus and to connect them to the local church. And so we do that by uh, helping churches launch actual physical campuses mm-hmm. inside of prisons. So I love it. I- and and I love your heart behind that that ministry and the impact that that you know you never know what the impact of ministry is but sometimes God gives you little glimpses and you see ripples and you see transformation and Jesus specifically calls out yeah the prisoner yeah when, when Matthew twenty five yeah yeah he literally says that uh, you cannot possibly love me if you don't love the least of these and he talks about the sick and he talks about the hungry and he talks about the prisoner. I think that in the church, uh, we are great at doing, uh, those first two, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we'll clothe the naked. We'll feed the hungry and we'll visit the sick, but you want me to go to a prison and talk to a guy that, uh, is a criminal and, uh, could possibly murder me. Well, what we found is so much more and so much different, uh, than that ideology, uh, that these people are just really people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're people like you and me. Uh, they have a past, they have a history, they have hurts, they have habits, they have hangups, uh, that have caused them to be in the situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're any different than an individual like you or I, or the people that we care about. There's someone out there that loves them. Uh, there's someone out there that knows them only as their son or as their brother or as their mother mm-hmm. or father. Uh, and so, uh, we've chose to really just identify them as as that, as individuals, as people, as a child of God, and not focus on what they've done, but what their future holds. And uh, more, more importantly, letting uh, Christ be at the foundation and the center of that future. So. Yeah, that's great. So, Jake, how how did you get into, so I want to talk about the, the first prison, because uh, you can't just go like, knock on a prison door and be like, I want to come in here and do church. And and I say that because I actually, I was naive enough to think I could do that. When I had a family who's like, hey, we got this, our kid's in prison. Can you go visit him? Make sure he you know knows who Jesus is. So I literally went, I drove there, you know, when I had free time and they're like, no, you can't just come in here yeah. and talk to, uh, there, there's some some red tape there. Yeah. Uh, but you, you've you managed to, to build relationship uh, with, you mentioned 50 different locations. And mm-hmm. um, how was that when you, okay, you have an idea. I think God's put this on my heart. I think God wants to do something here and he's, he's positioned me to do that. How did, how did you kind of cross over into, okay, now I'm actually in a prison and, and what, what were some of the surprises, some of the things that you learned along the way? Well, it's funny that you say that literally, uh, when I first pitched this idea to, uh, my father at the time, 
I was sitting in his backyard around a fire pit and he had his entire leadership team sitting around that fire pit and they were taking, or they were talking about taking their church to the least likely places of the world. Mm -hmm. And they had everything up there on this easel that you could think of from military bases to college campuses, whatever it may be. And I threw out the idea of why not prisons? And uh, they all were kind of like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Too much red tape. All, there, it would never work, blah, blah, blah. Uh, separation of church and state, all those uh, thoughts that mm-hmm. uh, they were saying no for God. And uh, I, I have learned over uh, my entire career to never say no for God, mm-hmm. because even the most unexpected, unimaginable, uh, most probably the hardest things that you could think of that you would be like are absolutely impossible to go do. Uh, if God wants it done, he opens the door. And so that was the case. I was 19 years old when I started this wow. ministry. So here's a yeah. 19 year old kid that is going to uh, directors of corrections that have 40 year careers. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling them on how uh, an inmate is going to be successful if they follow these three to four uh, steps. And uh, nothing but the favor of God, uh, it would, would uh, make that make sense if that does make sense. What was, but, what was their initial response to you? So 19 year old. Yeah. Well, know, well, and that's the thing is like, I, God put, always put the right people around me. I had a gentleman who took a shot on me and believed me. His name was Don Moberger. Uh, he was 80 something years old at the time. Wow. Uh, he's still alive today. He's still a part of our ministry today. God's still using him today, which is absolutely amazing. But uh, he was the chaplain of uh, the Clark County Detention Center at the time, one of the chaplains. And uh, I had shown up uh, kind of like your story where I just said, Hey, I wanted to, I want to do ministry in here. I knew one guy and he got me a meeting with the, the jail captain. And, uh, I said specifically, I want to go into, uh, the worst of the worst units. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, yeah, no, we don't let volunteers in those units. And I was like, well, that's what I'm really called to. I want to, I want to reach the guys that nobody wants to reach. And Don Moberger at the time said, if I go in with him, can we, take him in those units. And the captain said, yes, Don, if you're in there with him, I'll let him go. So we show up. So we kind of vouched for you. Yeah. And, and he was your ticket in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, we showed up and, uh, I see the correctional officer in the unit and, and to, to put it in perspective, this isn't like a, a prison where there's individual jail sales. You kind of walk into this dormitory. There's probably a hundred to 150 people all on bunk beds in one main room, like a gym almost, uh, and I asked the officer, I said, uh, can you let these guys know we're going to do a Bible study? And he goes, you can let them know that you're going to do a Bible study. I'm like, <laughs> uh, okay. So I called out and I said, hey, uh, we're going to do a Bible study in this room over here. If any of you are interested, we'd love to have you. Uh, and Don and I walked in the room and we sat down and one individual uh, came into to that room. And uh, to my surprise, uh, that individual couldn't speak or speak a lick of English. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Don walked out into the main room and he said, do we have anyone that can translate uh, from Spanish to English? So now we have two people because we got a guy to walk in there uh, to translate for him. And we just opened up a book in the Bible. I think it was Titus at the time, probably because it was the shortest book to go through. But uh, we literally started flipping through Titus and had no agenda uh, other than just to have a conversation with that guy. And we led him to Christ uh, that very first uh, moment. Wow. Uh, I think the trans... So so hang on. So day one, you have one guy show up to this Bible study. Yep. He gives his life to Jesus. And that's that's kind of the the genesis of this ministry is that that moment. Yeah, that one. I I think that when God says, uh, um, basically, uh, 
don't fret against humble beginnings. Uh, that was a wake up call for me too, because mm-hmm. I come out of a very large church where uh, everything that we do is is big and grand. And so to have one person show up, it was kind of uh, a smack in the face Let, of like. Let, I, I want to pause on that for a second. Yeah. Because I, I think a lot of people, they have, you know, maybe God's put something on your heart. Maybe you have this grand vision for something. And, and people just sit and they're paralyzed or they never take that step or whatever, uh, you you were willing to do the humble steps. And so you started with one and you mentioned earlier, so now you guys are, are reaching 50,000. Yep. And and that continues to to grow exponentially as you guys are expanding to 15, going from 50 to 15 in, in this next year. Yep. Um, uh, and I would just encourage people who are listening, uh, be faithful with a little, yeah. whatever God's put on your heart. If, you know, one person shows up, be faithful with that. No, oh, absolutely. And, and, and I think that we were, and then the next week we come back, there's probably three to five guys. And then eventually we got to the point that I was probably eight to 12 weeks into this thing. And we're in this small little classroom and we've got 20, 30 guys in there worshiping and we're all shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. and, and to remind you that these guys are, most of them haven't been sent yet, sentenced yet, but every single one of them is probably looking at a murder charge at the time. Wow. And so the, the, the biggest, baddest uh, criminals of what we can envision in our head is who was sitting in that room and we were locked shoulder to shoulder. If I wanted to get out of that room, there was no way I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was literally all about Jesus at the end of the day. And these guys were feeling hopeless uh, due to their situation. And we were providing them hope and showing them that there's a God that loves them in spite of everything that they've done, that he's not just a God of second chance, but he's God of another chance. And that we can take that step at any point in our lives, that our lives aren't over uh, based on the things that we've done in our past, that there's still a future, even if that doesn't mean that we get physical freedom ever again, but we can have that spiritual freedom and we can be used in the very place in the very community uh, that we're at right in that very moment. And so uh, that's kind of our message to a lot of these individuals is that uh, your story is not over. In fact, mm-hmm. it's just begun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that they have a legacy to still leave. And our goal is to is to introduce them to Jesus and then hopefully help them uh, build and prepare that legacy. Yeah. Wow. What, what were some of the misconceptions that you had when you went into the prisons? That, that maybe other people have that maybe are listening or that, that you went, wow, I'm surprised by this. Like, I didn't expect this until you actually got, got behind bars. Yeah. Um, I would say that I would have expected uh, prison to be a lot more rowdy, mm-hmm. uh, like what you would see in uh, Prison Break or some other Hollywood. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, you know. Yeah, where they're <laughs> throwing things yep. at you as you walk down the hallway. Uh, no, I think that a lot of these guys uh, understand that they've made mistakes, uh, like I said, they're they're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have passions, they have desires, they have goals. Um, I think a lot of them are trying to discover their self worth. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if uh, I had to name the number one value proposition for somebody that's in prison, uh, it's probably to feel uh, worthy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of them, especially growing up in a fatherless generation. Uh, they've never felt worthy their entire life. And I think that that worthiness of them constantly seeking it in in all of the wrong places is ultimately what's driven them to uh, where they're at today. But uh, we we show them that they're more than enough. And Mm -hmm. for instance, uh, the reason why we do what we do and at the grand scale that we do, we put $75,000 worth of technology in every single facility. And I've had guys over the years, chaplains, whoever it may be, say, well, we have a $5,000 setup and that's good enough. 
And mm-hmm. I said, well, we're not here for good enough. Yeah. We're here to give them our best. Why can't we just roll out the Panasonic, you know, the tube TV or whatever that weighs 800 pounds and just, you know, on a stand and just do yeah. church. And you're saying, no, 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 let's, let's make it quality. Well, and my whole goal is to show them what they're worth. Yeah. And they're worth just as much to us as somebody in the community would be. If we're, if we're the local church and we go launch a campus and these grand experiences in the community, then we should do the same inside of prisons. And it's because those guys are worth just as much to us as the, anybody else. And so, uh, that's our goal at the end mm-hmm. of the day is to create this experience, uh, not because it's something that's just enticing and cool, but it's because we believe in you this much, you mean this much to us is that we're going to come and we're going to give you our best every single week. And we're going to show you, uh, the Jesus and in which, and who we're giving our best for. So how, how have the, the prisoners responded as you guys have gone into the prison systems? What, what has the response been? Oh, it's been amazing. Honestly, uh, I would say that our, on any given, uh, location, we probably have the opportunity of reaching between 50 and 75% of the entire prison. Uh, on average, probably every, uh, inmate comes to church at least once a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, to put that in perspective, your probably average ministry, uh, prison program, prison ministry program probably sees between 20 and 30 guys on a weekly basis. And, uh, we're seeing upwards of 250 to 300, uh, in almost all of our services, uh, and then beyond that, uh, during the the pandemic, all of the prisons across the country shut down, mm-hmm. uh, and our ministry was really struggling to uh, figure out how we were going to continue to do ministry um, during the pandemic. And uh, we all kind of locked ourselves in a room. Uh, we went to our idea drawer, uh, things that we had been dreaming up and thinking of for years, and we started pulling out all these ideas and saying, which one of these are really going to work? And uh, one of those was an app uh, that we developed. And so over the course of the pandemic, we, we built this app, uh, we put it, uh, into motion very quickly. And on January 15th of 2021, before any prison had ever opened up again, we became the very first third party app in prisons. Uh, uh, one more importantly being the very first Christian app inside Mm -hmm. of prisons. And it's a Netflix of content, uh, that allows for these guys to, uh, engage with local churches all across the country, uh, any part of their spiritual journey, whether it's guided prayer, weekend sermons, uh, worship music, devotionals, anything and everything that somebody may need for their spiritual life, uh, is given to them 24 hours a day, seven days a week through this app. Uh, and over the course of the last 11 months, we've seen, uh, we now have over, uh, just shy of 200,000 accounts. Uh, and those are daily users, uh, that are incarcerated that are engaging with spiritual content, in our app, wow. uh, over, uh, 6 million, uh, different sermons watched. And, uh, the coolest stat uh, today, as of yesterday, actually, it was 29,883 people who've made a decision, uh, to follow Jesus. Wow. And so, wow. uh, that app is called Pando. And in the beginning of our conversation, we were t- kind of talking about, uh, the local church and our different view of the local church and how many aspects of what we do are the church. Uh, and that's really what Pando means at the end of the day. I was uh, headed down I-70 in Denver, Colorado with a senior pastor, and he kind of baited me into this question of how many trees do you think up are up on the side of that mountain? And I was like, I have no clue, two million. And he was like, no, actually, that's all one tree. Hmm. He said, aspen groves are the largest living organism in the entire world. Above ground, they look like individual trees, but below ground, they're connected by one root system, making it one living organism. And that organism is called a pando. 
And so I looked back at him and I said, Jim, I think you're wrong. Aspen groves are not the largest living organism in the entire world. The capital C church is the largest living organism in the entire world. Above ground, we all look like individual entities, but below ground, we're all connected by one root system, making us one living organism. And uh, that's why we got, we called our app Pando is because it's just that it's a a plethora of different churches and communicators and uh, individuals uh, that are providing spiritual content. Uh, to these guys that are in prison and giving them the opportunity, again, to be introduced to Jesus uh, and then be connected with the local church. Because at God Behind Bars, we say this a lot, but uh, we believe that we are just a season of their life, Mm -hmm. that the local church is the rest of their life. And so our goal is to drive all of these people uh, to the local church so that they can continue continue their relationship with Jesus once they're out and ultimately get their families plugged in and have their legacy be left uh, within the church. Jake, I have one more question for you. I know we're going a little longer than normal, but this is so good. And uh, and I'm, I'm loving this conversation. Thanks again for, yeah, for man, being a pleasure. part of it. Me too. Um, for those who are listening that maybe their their hearts are a little hard towards prison ministry, maybe they're mm-hmm. thinking justice, maybe something happened to them and they were a victim of something or a family member and they're going, these are bad guys in prison. Uh, what, what would you say to those individuals that, that maybe have a little bit of a wall up between their heart and, and what God's doing through prison ministry? Yeah, uh, I think that, one, those are all real feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's perfectly fair uh, to have those emotions. Uh, my encouragement would be uh, is to allow God to do something uh, in you uh, that maybe you can't do for yourself. And uh, I say that because really the only difference between somebody that's in prison and us that aren't is that they got caught and that we didn't. If every one of our sins was put on display and we were judged and sentenced for every single one of our sins, every single one of us ultimately probably deserve to be in prison. And so uh, just because society has deemed one sin uh, higher or lower than the other, really in God's eyes, all sin is the same. And so I would I would encourage you just to kind of think deep uh, to the point that uh, you may be a lot more like these individuals than uh, you think you are and vice versa, that they're a lot more like you mm-hmm. uh, than you think you are. And that, uh, again, that they're just a person, they're, they're, they're a child of God that uh, has struggled and has made some decisions that uh, ultimately uh, deserve probably the consequences that they're facing. Uh, but uh, that doesn't, that doesn't make it uh, any more or less that God still loves them, mm-hmm. still has a, a purpose for them, still wants uh, the best for them and ultimately wants to redeem them uh, and their story. And so I'd say that uh, I, I know for me in my ministry, there are things that I can't get over when it comes to certain crimes or whatever. Uh, but I've, I've, I've chosen not to ask uh, because I don't want to be the burden that stands in the way uh, of God and what ultimately he can do uh, in and through these people. And so I've gotten out of that way uh, by uh, by just ignoring their past mm-hmm. uh, more than anything uh, and focusing on their future. So wow. that's so good. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you would would you would you pray for those who are listening uh, for our church as we go into this season of, of partnership with you guys and and helping reach those who are the least of these who are the marginalized and forgotten by by much of society. Uh, I, I'm going to ask that you would just pray for us, pray for our hearts, and uh, and as we partner together, excited to see what God's going to do. Absolutely, I'd love to. Dearly Father, just uh, thank you, one, for the opportunity to to be here with Sun Valley Church and uh, all that they're doing uh, locally here in their community and beyond. And I just pray 
uh, for continued favor and anointing on their ministry and the people that uh, are a part of this ministry and make it happen every single day, Lord, that they would continue uh, to, to have an impact and ultimately revival uh, in their city. And we just pray for this next chapter and this next season as we head into a, a new area of ministry and that be the local prisons right here in Arizona, Lord, that uh, you would provide favor, you would open doors, uh, that you would soften the hearts of uh, the men and women that were about to go in and reach and that uh, they would just be prepared uh, to accept you uh, and to acknowledge you and ultimately that uh, you would change their legacy as well. And uh, we just pray that uh, there's thousands and thousands of stories of redemption uh, that come out of this next chapter between God behind bars and Sun Valley Church and uh we just pray that at the end of the day, that all of that glory uh, gets pointed back to you. And we love you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jake, thanks so much for joining us, man. I just smacked my face on the mic. Oh, that's cool. My eyes closed. Yeah. No, that's, that's all right. People forgive you for that. And, and if you're listening, one last plug here. If you haven't already, follow God Behind Bars on social media. It will bless you. There's a lot of stuff out there on social media that distresses people out. This is... I started following you guys uh, months ago. You, you want to follow them on social media and see what God's doing and uh, encourage you to do that. Jake, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you rated the podcast and left us a review. Also, sharing this with a friend is a great way to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you are always welcome to join us online for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc or go to locations.sv.cc to join us in person at one of our physical locations. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.